I just can't believe that you waited till 7 o'clock to drink a cup of coffee. Bro, it was killing me. A cup of coffee. A cup of coffee. What's, Drop. What's been your routine in the quarantine? As <laughs> soon as I wake up, breakfast, coffee, Xbox. <laughs> Xbox? Yeah, or PS4, because there's literally nothing. To- is that an Incredibles 2 figure? Yes, it is. Dude, that's so awesome. Very special to me. Uh, I made my dad sign it. It's a Mr. Incredible figure. Uh, I think you'd get it. Like, Mr. Incredible, my father, I asked him to sign it for me. That'll never go anywhere. Damn, man. Stay right here, yeah. I like the new setup uh, because behind you, now prominently displayed at the top, my favorite wrestler of all time, CM Punk. Every figure I have of him uh, with more coming soon, hopefully, one day. He's He's that guy, man. That's one. I was, okay, quarantine, right? I was so bored. That's my daughter, special guest of the podcast a few <laughs> weeks ago, if you hear that. <laughs> um, I, was, I wasn't I was bored, but I was determined, right, in bed. After I rearranged the basement and put all the figures where I wanted them to be, I was like, you know what? I was just going to get his elite figures from Mattel, but I was like, you know what? I think I want every figure ever made of him that isn't like a tough talker or a sound slammer like one of those weird offset like you know oh you bang these figures together and they go or they say his catchphrase i don't want that yeah i want all the cm punks like mainline figures the little tiny ones too um and as you heard upstairs i might have struck gold Uh, i'm still working on that deal because it's not quite where i want it to be and honestly in this time <laughs> can't really afford to spend as much money as they were asking so i feel that i'm gonna find a way because they've just been sitting there like for months so you gotta get rid of them <laughs> if i hand you a offer you're probably gonna take it yeah but i mean he's such an iconic person like i still remember his first walkout on ecw like, that was one of the craziest things I'd ever seen. It was just this dude who had the, the the short but, like, medium hair, black. He looked so emo. He came out to Kill Switch Engage, and he had the snake bites. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's cool. Like, he stood out from everyone else. The arm um, wraps, and I'm like, oh, no, this guy's going to be a superstar. I knew it right there. He's my favorite. Uh I obviously I have a tattoo of him. Uh and that's like more personal like just like an ode to wrestling and mm-hmm. my life like I've kind of like drifted away from watching it because the li- it's so hard to watch the live product and like having a family like I can't devote 10 hours yeah. to just like watching wrestling, you know. I, like she'll watch it, Jen will watch it, but it's not really, like, ideal. <laughs> like, yeah, no. I feel um, But, like, wrestling has always been a part of my life. And then, like, in my, like, besides, like, the Lord and my friends and family, like, in my darkest, like, <laughs> I relied on wrestling a lot. And it uh, holds a special, hence why I got the tattoo. And, uh, yeah, like, I really want to have, like, everything that has been made of him as far as figure-wise. It's a task, but I'm up for the challenge. I already made the master list. It's not that hard. Like, it was hard. It took me, like, two hours to, like, figure it out, put it in order. But I think it is doable, and I don't think I have to spend an arm and a leg. There is one figure (laughs) that I already know. Like, I'm watching one on eBay in the box right now. $350. I've seen it go as low as 220. So if I can get it in that range between me and you, I will be pulling the trigger on that. <laughs> I feel you. If now we've done this for over a year, you spent over a year in my base. Well, we started 
in my dining room. Yeah. Um, we've recorded in Ricky's. We've recorded in the basement the majority of the time. We recorded in your car. <laughs> we, yo. <laughs> see, I love that you remember that because that shows how bad we wanted to put the show out every week. But you've been down here and you've seen like my collection. Like if you had the chance to collect something like, like, I don't know if you have like a collection of something now, if you do, you can elaborate on that. But like, if you had the chance to collect something, what would it be? Guitars for sure. (laughs) It would be like a massive wall of every, or a rack of every guitar I've ever wanted. And I'm telling you that rack would be massive. Are you like like me personally, right? I'm weird about like sentimental things. Like I just explained to you that I bought a Mr. Incredible figure and I had my dad sign it. Was my dad Mr. Incredible? No, but to me, you know, my dad is that like figure to me. Like he is Mr. Incredible. Like mm-hmm. I looked up to my dad my whole life, obviously. But like weird stuff like I went to a buddy's house. And his son, like, got out of wrestling. And she was like, do you want this bag of stuff? If not, I'm just going to throw it out. I'm like, yeah, give it to me. I'll take it. And it was, like, this huge bag of wrestling stuff. There was, like, 20 figures in there and, like, accessories, like, rings and cages and tables and stuff like that. But I pull one figure out, and I'm like, this is old. I call my buddy and I'm like, is this your figure from when you were a kid? And he was like, yes. And I'm like, I'm never getting rid of this. Like, like just to have like, like a good friend of mine, like probably one of my best friends, like, like figures from when he was a kid. Like I was like, I'm never getting rid of this. It'll be in my collection forever. Are you weird? Like sentimental like that? Where like, do you have your first guitar ever? Or, like, I don't have my first ever guitar, but I have my first guitar that I ever bought with my own money. And, well, the first one I had, it was an acoustic guitar that I bought with my own money on, I think it was my 18th birthday. It was, uh, I forgot the name of the brand, but that thing was, like, it was so special to me. And it was at a time where I was kind of in a transitional period where I was trying to, figure out who I was like as far as a musician Mm -hmm. and like the singer songwriter thing was just appealing to me more and more because just playing the guitar and singing was just something I love to do but unfortunately that guitar got stolen from me um while I was in church and unfortunately I was getting a ride from Angie and um I left my guitar in the trunk and then she left the door open you know, on accident, because I remember I went back before we walked in the church to grab something, and I forgot to close the door. And um, it was because I didn't ask her for the keys. She did. She had the keys, and um, I screwed up. <laughs> so when we come outside, there's papers all over the floor, and the doors are like not open, but they're they're still closed. But when I look and I open that trunk, I froze. I completely froze. And Angie walks outside and she's like, what's going on? And then she looks and she realized what happened and she starts crying. And I'm just like, it's okay. It's all right. Don't even worry about it. And I'm trying to like process it in my mind. But I had such a connection to that guitar that when that happened, it ruined me completely. But then I was able to buy my telly and I fell in love with that thing. So I still have my telly in the box. And even though it's it's broken right now, like uh, the electronics in it, but I'm never going to sell that guitar. Yeah, like even, like like I said, my buddies, that's Eck, who you just talked to. Yeah. That's his, like one of his kid figures. Like the, uh, it was a Bone Cruncher Austin. I, I can't say. It might be Series 1 or like something else, but... Even I have like my brothers, all their cards from when they were younger, like and that thing will never go anywhere. I was just looking up on eBay or not on eBay on uh, Amazon, like the sleeves, because I want to like 
organize them because I'm on this organizing kick now because it's <laughs> yeah. this is the perfect time Th- to do it. This is this is all we can do. <laughs> like when we were on our way here, we're driving through like my back alley and everybody's trash is piled to the ceiling because yeah. it's clear that people are taking this time to get their life together and organize their houses and clean, which is great. Um but yeah, I'm, I want to like organize their card sets and I want to put them all together into binders because they've been sitting in boxes for years. So that's one of my projects. Um, is there anything else besides guitars that you'd be like, I don't know. I feel like as a musician, like, I don't know, like you say guitars, I would be like into like a guitar pick collection. Like, I feel like there's Mm -hmm. like, I know that they're not like a limited thing, but like if you could, if every band that you liked had like a custom pick, that'd be like, that'd be like the perfect way to like give an ode to your band in like, and you can like make it into like a table. Like if you take this table with hot glue and just cover it with picks and then like put epoxy on it so it can like, That'd be cool. You man. know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, actually. there's a there's a guy on you on Facebook that I always see that makes guitars out of like weird. Like I saw him do like colored pencils. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and like, I know it's like shtick, but like it's cool. <laughs> it is. I I don't know. I think for me, uh, it's that would be definitely something good. But that's the only thing I could imagine collecting, like going far traveling far to go and pick something up like that like because when you think about it there's some guitars that are made and when you see them you just know that they were meant for you like once you touch the guitar you just know that it's gonna feel right in your hands and there are just some guitars that do that you know it's kind of like like when you see that that one figure and you know as soon as you get it, you know the, that satisfaction you're going to feel is great because it's the one that you wanted. Mm-hmm. And, like, I have two specific guitars that I've seen that I want like that. And they're simple, but they've, they're just what I've always wanted ever since they came out. And uh, I remember it, it was the uh, first person to introduce it to me was Jay Mendez. It was the the single-cut Les Paul-style body. And I've always wanted a white one, the same one he had, but the Gibson version, the, oh my the God. studio. I'll never forget, he, he's had that guitar forever. Yeah. And I don't want to put, well, it doesn't matter. He's, he's going to hear this and he's going to be like, oh, that's cool. He's telling my story. He was going through like a little bit of a tough time and I had to sell it. And he sold it to Andy Navarro. You remember him? Yeah, yeah. And, uh. Andy obviously never got into playing guitar, but he just, it was basically like, in my eyes, I know Andy, he's a great guy. So he took it like, oh, I'm just giving you a loan. Like, yeah, like a pawn shop. And when Jay finally got back on his feet and was able to, he bought it back. Yeah. And he's, and he still uses it. It's a good guitar, man. I've always liked that body in it. And one of my favorite guitarists, Mark Tremani, like he, he went to PRS but he was like, look, I like the Les Paul body. Can I have a signature with that style but make it my own? And, like, I always said that if I can find a guitar that had all the specs that I've ever wanted with that body, I would pay whatever it cost. But they don't make them like that because that body specifically, you can make it into, like, let's say a seven string, but it's not going to look right. So I'm like, dang, like, I have to find the guitar that would be perfect. You know, and and I have specific specs. That's why I don't buy guitars out of the whim. Like you, like I've had money, and I like I bought the PRS, but that was because my guitar was broken. But you know, when it comes to like buying my first real guitar, like my own custom guitar, I already know I'm going to Kiesel Guitars because they make custom ones. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know my guitar is gonna cost upwards of three grand because all the specs that I want from the bone nut to you know the hip shot all the hardware and you know the specific pickups like they're gonna be like okay right over my head (laughs) yeah love the enthusiasm basically (laughs) like it's gonna be 
ridiculously meticulous and as the, it should be if you're paying you know yeah a if you're paying top dollar and yeah. but that's what I like about Jeff Kiesel because we've seen like the artists that he have that he has under him now he's just walked up to them and he hasn't said oh well my company's better because we do this my company is better because we do that no he just walks up to his artist and he says hey let me make a guitar for you. And um, if you like it, let's work together. There's not a lot of companies that do that. There's companies that'll give you a guitar, but the crazy thing about Jeff Kiesel is the fact that he will give you a guitar to take home with you on top of making you a guitar. So you can get a feel for the Kiesel sound and the feel of the guitar, the wood, how it plays. And the strings, like, I mean, you can put any strings on it, but, like, the tension, like, of how the body's made, like, how it feels. And then he's like, all right, uh, I got all your specs. Here's your guitar. And then they play it, and they're like, dude, this is the most amazing thing I've ever, I've ever played. Because he pays attention to detail. And there's little things that he does th- where he doesn't have to do it, and it's extra work. But he does it because he's like, dude, this is what I want in my guitar. So why wouldn't I do that for other people? That's the kind of stuff I like. So you got to put your trust in the hands of somebody that you know is going to take care of you. Yeah. We'll get to the MMA. But, like, I have so many questions because, you know, there's not much going on in the world. But what there is, I know we're going to cover a lot. So, like, you're a YouTube guy, right? Yeah. Like, basically born into the era of youtube where like it's like you don't need cable tv no and you're like very into like different channels and styles of channels like food and you know music and stuff like that like i'm only asking this because i have a specific thing in my head yeah i was curious if you did too like watching a youtube channel was there anything ever that you were like What's the weirdest thing that you watched and you're like, I want to do that? Like, whether it be, like, cooking a certain meal or, like, wanting to learn how to sew. I don't know. Like, Oh, um, I have the perfect one. Knife skills. So I watched this guy on YouTube take an entire cucumber and he completely flayed the skin and made it look like like sheets of paper. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, how is he doing that? Like, he's literally taking the the skin, like the flesh of the cucumber, and he's just taking that off and leaving everything else. And he keeps going, he keeps going, he keeps going, until eventually it's just like, it looks like the same consistency of an accordion. Yeah, I saw something like that on uh, the First We Feast TikTok where the guy's, like, he, he's taking the, the cucumber, he cuts it one side, and you see he, like, makes, like, 50 cuts and then turns it around, and then makes another 50. Yeah. And when it comes out, it's, like, it looks like a slinky. Like, yeah. Okay. That's... I've always wanted to have that skills cool. like that. <laughs> I, I go down the knife thing. Well, I work with knives, like, all day. So I always go down the rabbit hole of, like, I want a sharp knife. What's the perfect way to sharpen my knife? You know what I mean? Yeah. One time. Well, I'm I'm still into like pocket knives and like finding the perfect wallet is like mm-hmm. because I'm very picky I mean, on my wallet. Clearly you have good taste in wallets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for Christmas you did get a beautiful wallet. Oh I owe you like so much, so that was a little <laughs> bit. Um Okay. There's this thing called EDC where it's basically just like your everyday carry. So your wallet, your phone, you know, people carry multi-tools. Pocket knives is a big one. Uh, Your watch. So I got into like pocket knives. Like I always carry a pocket knife now. My wallet obviously is a very trendy, you know, I like minimalist, you know, it's very minimal. And my phone is my phone, you know. I yeah. keep a, a simple case on it, nothing too husky. But I was like, what if I made my own wallets? Like, what if I got into leather working? And I, like, just – and it only lasted one day where I thought about this. I watched, <laughs> like, this, like, 
two-hour video on, like, leatherworking. And it went nowhere, and I realized that I don't have the space, nor the tools, nor the uh, patience yeah. for leatherworking. So that dream, you know, kind of went down the toilet. Now, everything else, like pocket knives, I still really like. Finding the perfect wallet. Right now, I think I have the perfect wallet. Um, and the watch... There's, you know, I have, like, a really dressy watch, brown and black. I need the perfect, like, casual watch <laughs> for everyday carry. <laughs> Listen, man, you're not alone because, trust me when I tell you, I have a thing that I cannot let go of, and it's the dream. Like, and I know that there, there's a lot of musicians that will definitely agree with me and a lot of gamers, but one of my main things that is like huge for me like to have is the gaming slash studio setup okay so (laughs) i do get obsessive about studio setups obviously we have a studio here makeshift but like i do think all the time like what happens when we transition to video like we need to have like we need to be comfortable get different chairs like the the whole mic setup has to be like and then you watch these podcasts, and I'm I'm like, oh, that that uh, below the belt mic stand combo where the uh, the cable for the mic is like in the stand. Yeah, it's like a thousand dollars. Yeah, like, guess what? <laughs> T-shirts ain't moving like that to be <laughs> buying that stuff. Which you know, I'm not. I don't think like that. Like, really, it's like, I don't have $1,000 to spend on, like, a microphone. I mean, trust me, man. I feel the same way because I've seen gaming setups where there are some guys that are like, I'm not paying $3,000 for a, a, an airlifting, like, uh, monitor. I mean, an airlifting, like, table. Like, that's ridiculous. But that's why, like, my main thing is finding, like, setups that are simple like this. Yeah. And it's like... I'm more about the aesthetic of, like, the colors and everything going together. Because I don't know if you noticed, but, like, I'm really old school when it comes to matching. Now, I'm not too crazy. Like, you're not going to see me wearing a Lakers jersey with blue jeans and yellow, like, yellow Nikes. Like, like you yeah. know, I'm just not going to do that. But if I'm wearing black, I'm either wearing gray or navy blue. And that's as far as it goes. Like, I'm very monotone with my colors. But I have to match. Like, that's my thing. And even in, like, you know, even with my current setup now, it's a crappy setup. But, like, you know, like, the the pops that you got, like, the one pop you got, the GSP one and the Aaron Yeager one. Like, when I had my setup, I had the Aaron Yeager on top of the PS4 because the box was black. And I have the white <laughs> Xbox, so you know the pop the is pop, white. Yeah. So it's like that. That's how I do things. It's just it works in my brain. Because if something's off, I just can't do it. It'll yeah. freak me out. Like I remember, I was showing uh, the other podcast that I work with, Matt Madness, yeah. where I got my start. My first love. Love you guys. Thank you. WrestleMania setup, or the WrestleMania preview is up right now on their feed at Matt Madness, but. When I was showing Aaron, which is one of the co-hosts, my wall, like I was so proud of it. I have I have a wall of autographs for people who have haven't seen my basement and our studio setup. I have a wall of autographs. It's um, it's massive, yeah. <laughs> but but um, I have it set up like a collage setup where like you know I don't have things going across the wall straight. Like I like like puzzling them together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, bigger frames, smaller frames. Not all 8x10s, but, like, 90%. But he was like, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean? It looks awesome. He's like, yeah, but mines would have to be, like, straight up and down. Like, oh, <laughs> like all okay. the same. I'm like, I all can't. All symmetrical, like, right? Yeah, I think yeah. That's what like, called, yeah. Like, I would go nuts. Yeah, because it, it, for me, it would look weird like that, you know? But I have this OCD thing. Like, I'm going to tell you right now. Like, Angie caught it the other day. And she she called me out on it. She was like, I see your little setup over there, you OCD kind of person. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay, don't judge me. But, like, when I have certain things, let's say I'm I'm on the sticks. 
And there's remotes, my phone, my portable charger. Now, when you say on the sticks, please, layman's terms for people oh, who don't like play games. Oh, like when I'm playing video games. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's like a 2K term. <laughs> but the thing is, like, for some reason, if I have all those things set up, I have to set it up on one particular side, and it has to be in size order. And it is so weird because I'll catch myself doing it. So, like, I know that my portable charger is smaller than my phone. So that goes first. <laughs> then my phone <laughs> and then the remote. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why do I do this? If I know Angie, she was like, all right, weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it, and it comes out all the time. But some people understand. Yeah, I, you know? no, I totally get it. I Listen, I get weird, too, like... Um, when you put the volume up on the TV, it has to be on an even number. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Listen. Don't at me, bro. <laughs> for me, it's got to be a five or a zero, but it can never be an odd number. Don't leave it on 23. Don't leave it on 37. Don't, and don't you ever leave it on a nine, because I swear when I see that nine, I don't know what happens to me, but I just like, I have this tick and I'm like, seriously? <laughs> and sometimes, you know, at Angie's house, they'll do it on purpose. Like they'll, they'll put the volume up it's or like they'll put it if, down. If you don't lock the door for Jeff. Oh like yeah. That same thing. If he noticed, what the hell is this door unlocked? <laughs> it's so funny because if you guys don't know, he's been here before. I love Jeff to death, but Jeff. He has trouble walking, and, like, he'll run to the door yeah. to lock it. Light and he speed. knows it, too. Like, he, he won't say anything. Like, he won't ask you, like, yo, can you lock that door? He'll just do it himself and, like, huff and puff his way back to the <laughs> couch. That's I the best you, part Jeff. about Jeff, though, man. I love him to death. But, like, yeah, I'm, I love this setup. I love collecting. I love, like. Like the different the different stuff that I've been watching on YouTube lately, like I've been watching a lot of car stuff, because like before this whole thing happened, I was like getting ready to buy a car, like trade my Honda in and like move on from that. You know, cars for me are an investment, like in my credit and my payment history, like because I want to buy a house. So, I was like doing my research, and then I like I was like, oh, I want like. A project car like I want something I can do myself like work on myself and uh obviously all that's now on hold <laughs> so I'm I've still been watching a lot of car stuff like I I subscribe to this channel called donut media and yeah. they're like building a project car and they're using the car that I want so I'm like oh this is perfect, perfect. yeah like I get to like just watch this and I could just replicate it like because the thing about building a car is like the only thing that stops you is you like it's it's not it's very common hand tools you get a jack and jack stands you can do anything yeah and and, and really it's not even the tools it's just are you willing to put the time in yeah because you know like you said you brought up a good point about a car being an investment not just with your credit but like with you know with your payment history but it's also an investment of who you are because a lot of times when we build things that we enjoy, we put our own stamp on it. And that's the best part because when we look at the finished product, we can say, this is me. There's nobody who can take this away from me. And that's the, that's like me too. Like, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, before all this happened, like, you know, Ricky had bought that, that new Acura yeah. and it's beautiful. And I was thinking like, hmm, if I get an old school Honda, not too old school, but something that's decent, I can do the same thing. I can soup it up because I have my own idea on how I want it to look. And I'm thinking like the parts for a specific Civic that I like, it's not hard to find. Most places have them, even in junkyards. So I'm thinking what? Just take it to my guy Efrain Sanchez to, to paint it up and a quick body job that might not cost me that much but make the car look good and fix all the important stuff, you know, as well, and make that thing roar. Like, when I drive it, like, that. that's something that's really cool to do because 
it, you know, it's a, uh, what is that? What is that called? Um, I don't know, but it's when you put all your time into something and when you see it pays off, like you're yeah. so satisfied. It's the, it's the satisfaction of knowing like, I like, it's like you said, when, when I come down here, I'm like, I did this. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm happy with it. Like, especially like after this weekend, like the TV is up. I don't need to like unplug stuff and plug stuff in. Like we have the plug for the laptop. If we want to watch something on the TV, we have an Apple TV. Like, like if we wanted to do like a live fight thing, very, very easy from down here. (laughs) Yeah. So now everything came together. Yeah. My last project for down here is lighting. Like I'm going to get, massive lighting kits for down here because i like like the wood is finally growing on me but the truth about the wood is that it's dark like so it doesn't matter how many lamps like i have a lamp and then like a bright white bulb like the highest whatever bulb i can buy and it lights the room up pretty well but i want more lights like i I just want this thing to look bright down here like We've tried to take pictures down here of us recording, and it, it just doesn't look great. No, that's listen, why we man. haven't posted it. <laughs> I, I feel you, man, because like when even with my setup, like my gaming setup, you have no idea how badly I want LED lights to just to just turn them on at nighttime while I'm gaming. You know, with the boys, we're all on. We're either playing Warzone or Apex, or you know, maybe they're playing Monster Hunter. But dude, like that's that's the ultimate goal. Because, to be honest, I don't like lights on when I'm playing. That's my thing. Like, because it, it bec- when, when you have no lights on while you're gaming, the experience becomes more immersive. See, because there's no distractions around you. You're not looking anywhere. So the only thing you're looking at is the screen, and it allows, you to, it allows me to focus a little better. But with the LED lights, it, not only does it look cool, but it just adds to the effect. And like me, you may not know this about me, but I like playing scary games. Yeah. So to well, have you're that's something that people might not know about you as well that you're like into like horror like yeah yeah big time uh creepy pasta is that yeah where is that just like fictional scary stories or like true oh no 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 I actually favor the true stories more than I do fiction okay but I appreciate the the artsmanship of a good fictional story because sometimes with the theme that they're going off of. Like one of my guys, his name is Mr. Mr. Creeps, and forever, it's him and Corpse Husband. Those two guys are my number. Well, I have three. It's it's Corpse Husband first, Mr. Creeps, and it's Lazy Masquerade. These three guys have been the cornerstone to my creepy pasta and horror story fandom since the beginning, and it all started because I started working the night shift as a security guard, and it was night shift. At a closed-off marine terminal where no one's allowed to go in or out except for authorized personnel. And I'm in the middle of nowhere, pretty much. Like, you cars pass, cars barely pass by because it's right next to the highway. So it's like if you're really coming down there, the only people are going go, that are going down there are illegal racers and criminals. Yeah. So it, it was freaky, but... For some reason, it just gave me peace. <laughs> but it's because the content that they were bringing is amazing. Yeah, like, that's another one of those, I guess you could say, fads that I fell into. Like, I like storytelling podcasts, but, like, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of the... It's a, it's like a whole brand of podcasts. It's called uh, Radiotopia. And they tell, like, these, like... They, they have, like, love stories and, like, detective stories... It, the weirdest like at like alien stuff like yeah but there's this one it's called the truth and it's like a story like they use all your senses like i used to listen to it two headphones in i used to cut in this like back room of a supermarket by myself and like they'd play like it was like a movie it was like listening to a suspense movie it was so crazy that one time some lady walked in to like tell me that she needed something and i like i was like oh <laughs> like you know like <laughs> turned around like scared because of the the music and it just like it rattled me yeah. yeah yeah i just have no idea how you did that at night by yourself it was like the best. in a booth <laughs> 
It was the best, man. But you know, <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. Like I have things that comfort me. I have like comfort moments where, and I'll be honest about this since we're being honest. Like, there's nothing better than doing that and having a mound of food. <laughs> <laughs> and while I was there, like I'm not gonna lie, that was the best job I ever had because I sat in a booth and there was a water dispenser. And there was a mini fridge where I could put my drinks and whatever food I wanted to keep cold, like a salad or a sandwich that was cold cuts. And, dude, like, there were days, like, after payday, because I got paid every week. I would go to Wawa before work. Big sandwich. Got some chips. The big iced teas. And I'm there for eight hours, sometimes 16. So I'd do fast food and then Wawa, and then I'd go over coffee, monsters, and dude, no one comes, especially on the weekends. So it was just like, it's just me there. And unless something crazy happened, like the train would come in the middle of the day, like other than that, it was like, it was that Zen moment where nothing's going on and you're just chilling. Yeah. I think that's the one takeaway that like I love so much about all this is like, I have no one to rely on at work. It's like just me. Yeah. <laughs> like right now, like, like, yo, you want to get out, you can get out, but you got to do the work. Yeah. And, and it is tough sometimes. Cause when I started that job, it was rough. Like I had my car with me and I, you know, I always had to have gas because in the event that the train would call to go open the train gate up, I had to be ready and I had to drop everything and the downside would be when the train would come and then a truck would come because sometimes the truckers were cool sometimes not so much sometimes they start calling the company like yo your gates closed i thought they were open for us specifically why is this closed and it's like damn so in the first day that's what happened Train came, three trucks showed up, and it was a nightmare. I'm calling everybody. It's three in the morning. I'm freaking out, and they're like, just keep the gate closed. Everything stops for the train, even employees and truckers, and I'm like, oh. It took me a while to get the flow, but, you know, you just got to do it, and eventually, you know, you get to the point where you have to stop asking for help, and you have to learn how to do it yourself. Because sometimes for people like me, that's the only way I learn things. Like, it's crazy because, I don't know, I have a small pet peeve that I don't like to bring up. And it sounds really messed up, but I don't like when people try to, like, micromanage what I'm doing when I'm just trying to learn how to do it. Andre, can you talk a little closer to the mic? Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it, it was tough because... Like, I, I've always had that issue. I try to do something super nice. And, um, well, I'm sorry. I screwed that up because of the damn table. But I always try to learn things. But the way I learn is by doing it on my own. And I always fail a couple of times. But when I have people like, you're not doing it right. And I'm like, yo, I have my own method to my na- my madness. Just give me a second. Let me get it. If I fail, I want to fail because in that failure, I learn how to do things right. But there are some people that won't allow themselves to fail. And right now we have this thing called YouTube, like we brought up, that really doesn't let people fail that often now because, hey, let's say you got to change a tire. YouTube. Let's say, you know, you don't know where to put your antifreeze in your car. YouTube. Oh, let's say you have to freaking learn how to, like, you know, re-solder something on a guitar. YouTube. And it's like, dude, what happened to the culture of failing and then learning how to do something? What is the most specific thing you've ever YouTubed? Like, for me, yo, I'll, I'll do, like, almost a whole course, like, looking for a song. Yo, <laughs> I'll type out like every word that I know about the song to find it. Yeah, I do that too. And you just keep writing, you keep writing until eventually something pops up. Always. And then you hear it, you're like, yes. But I think the most specific thing I've ever YouTubed was how to, damn, I'm trying to remember. Because there was two things, but I'm trying to remember what was 
like stranger. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> I remember I YouTubed how to replaster a hole in the wall because <laughs> I punched a hole in my wall and I'm like trying to learn how to do it, but without like the actual ingredients of like what you need, you know, like the, I forget what that adhesive is or what is it called? Um, the stuff you put inside, it's like a paste. The, um, sheet, not sheetrock. That's the wall stuff. Plaster. That's it is plaster, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like I was trying to learn basically how to make plaster. <laughs> Wow. And I'm like looking everywhere because I didn't have the money to to like fix the wall. But I'm like, damn, this just looks weird now. But that's probably the weirdest thing I've ever like YouTubed. Yeah, it's I mean, get real specific sometimes. Like, um, what will I do? I'd be like, um, like, say if I don't have an ingredient, like I'll Google like what to use instead of this uh, yeah like, always like we were talking about a cake i made for like christmas this past year and uh i didn't have vanilla extract why i thought it was okay to bake a cake and not have vanilla extract don't ask <laughs> but uh one of the things was maple syrup <laughs> they were like you use maple syrup and i'm like yeah because i didn't have vanilla extract <laughs> hey if it works right yeah for sure so now I remember what would the no that wasn't even the weirdest thing. The weirdest thing ever was how to change a ceiling fan, <laughs> I mean, or how to repair when um that thing right there the yeah what the do you, string yeah when the string breaks and how to fix that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm there for like an hour, and I'm telling my mom I'm like I'm gonna fix this and I'm gonna have a brand new fan, and she's like I'm telling you. You not only are going to fail, but you are going to electrocute, electrocute yourself <laughs> and die. She's like, we'll just find someone to do it. I'm like, let me do this. I, um, like, uh, like I said, it's like the perfect time to do stuff because there's nothing to do. So, like, our mailbox, like, the, the screw, like, I guess it, like, I guess you could say stripped out there. So, like, the screw fell in the mailbox every time he went to put it in. Yeah. So, like, the mailbox was hanging from one screw. So, like, I went to replace that yesterday, the screw. I got a thicker one, right? And then I'm like, I want to move the TV, but we only have two plugs. I was like, how do I add an electrical outlet? <laughs> so, Damn. I'm, like, Googling that. It's like, okay, I need this and this. I think I have this. So, this weekend... That's what I'm going to do is replace an electrical outlet upstairs. Man, good luck. I wish you the best, and I hope you don't get hurt. Yeah. Honestly, Andre, I would love to talk about, like, MMA and the UFC, but I've I've really enjoyed just, like, kind of catching up. But I think that we kind of are obligated to talk about a few of these things. <laughs> so if you guys don't already know, 40 three minutes and counting and what's going on guys your boy Elroy here and welcome back to the your boy Elroy MMA podcast I'm your host Josh Prepigina and I'm here with my good buddy Andre Rodriguez Andre what's up prep oh a lot obviously we just did 43 minutes on it <laughs> but um two things I want to cover I'm gonna save the Q&A for next week um because Honestly, Andre, next week we might be forced to do Skype, but if not, you know, we will be recording here in the studio. Um, the two things I want to talk about, UFC 248, the saga, and John Jones. Last week after we recorded, uh, the next day, or was it the same day? The next day, I believe, Andre. Yeah, it was the next day. We recorded Wednesday. I think on Thursday, John Jones got arrested. Literally. First thing I did, screenshotted the article. I went to Instagram and found the perfect song because I felt <laughs> vindicated. So dashboard confessional, vindicated. Andre, I think Brendan Schaub said it best when he said, John Jones doing John Jones. Shh. Listen, man. 
That's what it is. And you know what? It takes me back to what Garbrandt was always saying about TJ Dillashaw, about how he was teaching people how to use steroids in the gym and how he was always a snake and doing things that were illegal to, to always have an edge. And the way that man suffered in those two fights makes you feel like, damn, there are just some people who are always going to get away with things. But in this case, TJ didn't. And I was really hoping that John wouldn't either. But yet again, he just got off and he escaped prison time, which I felt would have been necessary for his career. Now, I don't wish prison on anyone, but sometimes you have to learn the hard way. And when you're in the when you're when you're in the limelight like that, when you have people looking up to you, looking up to you, and when you have people that are rooting for you to succeed in the midst of what you have already gone through, you're kind of expected at some point to just get it together. But Daniel Cormier said it best. Sometimes you want to do the right thing and you want to change yourself, but if your environment doesn't change, how can you expect to change? And it sucks because a lot of people don't understand that in order to sometimes change who you are and to get away from, you know, who you don't want to be anymore, you have to have um, the the actual like dedication to do a complete overhaul of your surroundings, a complete overhaul of your environment. And it sucks because, you know, let's say you had a bunch of friends who love to drink and they love to smoke and do drugs but you're trying to get away from that life and you're trying to live a better life, I mean, hey, they might be your friends, but <laughs> sometimes you have to do what's right for you and get away from them. And, you know, it, it sucks, but I feel like John Jones is in a place right now where he just feels like he has to go back to that whenever he's having a rough time. And granted... Do I feel bad for him? No. But at a certain point, I'm trying to understand where he's coming from because of what we're going through. You know what I'm saying? Like, even myself, like, I felt myself backsliding a bit and and kind of, like, resorting to my old self of anger and, you know, self-pity and stuff like that and, and being angry at myself for the current situations. But the reality is... Life is not going to change right now. This is what it is. And you have to either learn to adapt and overcome or succumb to what's going on and let it consume you. And I just can't do that. Because not only am I counting on myself to get through this, but I have other people counting on me to get through this and to help them get through it. And I feel like that's where John Jones's people his camp, I feel like that's where they fail him all the time. Where was your coaches when you were doing that stuff? Why don't you have somebody telling you not to do that? Why don't you have someone holding you accountable for the mistakes that you're making? Why isn't there someone there to say, hey, let's not do this. Let's think for a second, John. You have a lot of stake right now. Yes, the world's not looking necessarily the best, but you have a lot on the line. There's a lot of things that you could lose if you screw up again. And he doesn't have anybody for that. And I feel bad for the guy. Because after everything that he went through, you would think that there would be somebody who would step up and say, hey, I'm here for you. And I don't see it. Now, granted, I think John is married, or he has a girlfriend at least. But clearly, that must not be enough. Why aren't your coaches there for you? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, that's what gets me mad. Because he's always by himself when stuff like this happens. Why don't you have people with you that are going to, you know, try to help you succeed? You're one of the greatest fighters of all time. And you're the, arguably one of the most talented people, not only physically, but mentally in the game. There's no one that has ever been able to do what John Jones has done. And a lot of people might not agree with me, but John Jones's run has been better than Anderson Silva's run when he was middleweight champ. Because when you look at the level of opposition that John faced throughout his career, not just defending his belts, but getting to the belt. 
I mean, that's it's nearly unmatched. I mean, the guy went through everybody. Legends, up-and-comers, the new breed, the old school. He did it all. And the craziest thing is that the only enemy that has ever truly beaten him is himself. And it sucks. It sucks to see talent wasted like that. Because you just can't get your personal you know, matters in order. But that's all I'll say. Yeah, I... I don't want to step on the uh, soapbox, but uh, <laughs> once again, I'm correct. John Jones's biggest enemy is himself. I agree with you on that. And this guy will never learn. It's too late. It is way too late. This happened too many times. And should the UFC cut him? No, but I think that his fan base is only going to continue to dwindle. And this guy is done. Like, he's already not drawing on pay-per-view. Like, how much worse can he do? Yeah, and, and, and that's the sad thing. Like, for to have that much talent, right? And the only reason he's not selling is because he's cleaned out the entire division. Even when they have new guys... Look at what's happening to them just to get to him. Like, the light heavyweight division might not be as stacked as the welterweight or the lightweight or the featherweight divisions, but you got some killers up there. Killers who can take anybody out at any moment. One bad stylistic matchup means somebody gets into the top 10. You know, and one young gun who comes in there and just ekes out a decision against the top guy and he's getting a title shot. And that's how it's been. But John Jones has been at the pinnacle for as long as I can remember. Because, listen, who was the light heavyweight champion before him? It was Shogun, Lyoto, Rashad, Rampage, and the title always bounced around Forrest. But there was one guy who dominated, and it was him. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, I really just want to see Tiago Santos you know, versus uh, what's his name, Dominic Reyes, or Anthony Smith, somebody to get that vacant belt. Why? And a lot of people might say, "Oh, that's stupid. Why would you strip him? He's not even going to serve jail time. He's got to pay for what he's done in one way or another." And it it bothers me because it's like people are trying to be behind him. Oh well, he just needs help. He's really struggling. Are people saying the same thing about NFL players that screw up? No. Because those dudes get, some of them get lifetime bans. Mm-hmm. And they probably have done way less than what, you know, John has done. If you really look at what John has done, it's bad. Because not only is he drunk, driving, but the dude is freaking putting p- other people's lives in danger. He's got to do jail time. He's got to get stripped. It, you can't allow that kind of conduct to happen when somebody's a champion, even when it's just a fighter, you know? Mm-hmm. So if Sean, Malley gets, Sean O'Malley gets two years in a ban to not fight for something that he didn't do, and John gets no time for doing something deliberate and dangerous and reckless, nah, that's not fair to me. I don't think he should remain champion. And no, I don't think he should be cut, but they keep putting him in these positions where he's going to end up fighting for a belt again, and that's just dumb to me. So, you know, that's all I can say. Yeah. It's a very, it's like a paradox almost. Because you see him, he comes back, dominates, gets the belt again, gets stripped, comes back, dominates, gets stripped again. And it's just like he can't, he can't not screw his own life up. It's insane, man. I hope he gets it together. But if he doesn't, that's really on him. The light heavyweight division definitely needs to move forward. Another division that might need to move forward. (laughs) No, honestly, I don't even know how to start covering the UFC 248 saga. I don't even know if it's fair to cover it yet because there's still so much time. But I originally came into this saying um, before today, before yesterday, I think, actually, because we were going to record yesterday. 
before yesterday, I was ready to say everybody's saying Khabib's out, but you don't think that he has some way to get out of Russia. Like, he's friends with Vladimir Putin. Like, I'm sure that Vladimir Putin would take care of him. But it is very clear that Khabib does... It's not that he doesn't want to fight. There's something going on in the world that I'm sick of talking about, to be honest. Um, But it's clear that the best thing for him to do is stay with his family. You know what I mean? Like, especially you're, you're not going to go to the, like, are you going to go to Russia? If all your family's here during this, could you imagine not being able to come back? Yeah. It'd be horrible. Yeah. It's, and he said it perfect, uh, yesterday. I think it's that. I think it's that. Uh, he said it perfect yesterday. When he said, uh, yesterday being Wednesday, when he said, oh, everybody's saying me, me, why, why is this my problem? And it's true. Why is it his problem? Yeah. Um, one, I, I'm going to ask you, you agree with him, right? Yeah, I do. I think that there was a narrative kind of tossed around where they're like, uh, why did he leave to Russia? He knows that he has to fight Tony. Now he's running. He's twenty nine and zero. It was very, <laughs> it was very clear at the time. Everybody thought it. Obviously, Khabib thought it. He went to Abu Dhabi. We thought that the fight was going to happen in Abu Dhabi or Saudi Arabia, and they closed that border four hours before. Well, they closed it four hours after he got there, so he wasn't able to leave the airport. Then he's like, you know what? I'll go to Russia. That way, at least I'll be somewhere where I can leave. And then they close that border. Yeah. So then I think what happened, I think he had all intentions of working his way to get out, you know, talking to Vladimir, whatever he had to do, or them taking a fight over there. But when the outrage happened, I think that got to him. He's like, yo, are you guys effing kidding me? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, why does this fall on me? And it's true. And I don't blame anybody. What I really want to cover, though, is the fighters trying to save the event. Now, you've seen dozens of fighters calling to save the event. What was your favorite one? My favorite one was definitely Kamara Usman and Masvidal. I really liked it because, you know, Masvidal's kind of taking a page out of like almost like wrestling's book where he's just saying this dude's running scared. I'll save the event. I'm free. I'm ready to go. I'm in shape. Is he though? And then Usman's like, dude, I'm 194. I can cut the weight. I still got time. Let's make it happen. And it's a high profile matchup. And I liked it because I'm like, damn, like, it's kind of bringing back the welterweight division. There was so much going on outside of the champion fighting the challenger, and it was just everyone else. I'm the best. I should get the belt. I should I should get the next um championship um match. And everybody's going in. Tyron's like, who the hell's Leon Edwards? Colby's like, oh, Tyron's scared. He doesn't want to fight me. And it's like, damn, this is heating up. But now it's like, now you can see that. Aside from that, there's some real bad blood between these two. Oh yeah, like I knew that from the Super Bowl thing. If yeah. you remember, like, like, and I think me personally, like, I think that Masvidal got the better of him that day. Oh yeah, and then Masvidal staying quiet through Usman's live when Usman's on, he goes on live the the day that uh could be pulls. Let's just say pull out. Yeah, you know um. And he's like, oh, tell Masvidal to get on here. He ain't going to get on here and, you know, talk and this and that. And it's like, I was like, damn, like, he is calling him out. Like, yo, if you got something to say, come talk to me. And Masvidal didn't answer. And his manager was on there. So he knew, like, um, Camaro said what happened is that Masvidal, his managers couldn't find him. Yeah. When they were trying to make the fight now. Do I think that's true? I don't know. Do I care? Probably not. 
all in one right now. I'll ask the same question next week. Do you think this event will happen, should happen, and how the hell do they do it? Let's look at the facts for a second. One, the apex is closed, right? Mm-hmm. So that's out of the that that's completely off the table. So what are we relying on here? A gym. One gym. And where's that going to be? Where's the fight going to take place? That's all we have right now. We have to worry about a bunch of high-profile fights that are going to happen for UFC 249, and it's going to look like the ultimate fighter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously. But... Let's be honest. Does that does that really bother you, or you're like kind of intrigued about it? Like WrestleMania is happening this weekend, and I don't know. Like the matches don't excite me that much. Like there's a few, but it's more of how the hell do you pull off a WrestleMania with no fans, no stadium, no like? How are they gonna do this? Is this gonna be like a two night? movie basically like (laughs) I think that's I think that it's hard to say because am I gonna say no to watching it no of course I'm gonna watch it but is it gonna be weird yeah it's gonna be weird when the fighters have no crowd and there's nobody they're cheering them on and you don't get that eerie like uh walk out You know, it's not going to be like that. But I think it's the devastation that's going to happen in there. Because whoever gets knocked out or choked out, like, you're going to hear it. And it's just like the Ultimate Fighter. Like, we all remember Uriah Hall versus Adam Sella. That thunderous hook kick that just decimated Sella. And we heard the impact of that foot hitting his jaw And his head hitting that canvas and his body just going into seizure mode. Like, I think that's one thing that's going to be exciting. But it's really just all I care about is the welfare of the fighters. And at the end of the day, as much as I like the idea of Dana trying to save this, I also don't like the idea of them saying, well, every fighter in the event has COVID. (laughs) They all got coronavirus. (laughs) And although that's a little far-fetched, but even then, it's just like taking a chance is what people are upset about. It's putting their lives on the line that people kind of are upset at. But at the end of the day, even though Dana is the president and he's the face of the UFC, you can't be upset at him if fighters want to fight. Because at the end of the day, it's not him calling these fighters. The fighters are calling him. They're calling Sean Shelby. They're calling, uh, what's the other guy's name? He was uh, the designated cheerleader for uh, UFC Brasilia. Mick Maynard. Mick uh, Maynard. And, and you know, they're calling these guys, and they're saying, listen, I'll save the event. I'll fight on it. So it's like, dude, if they want to do it, let them do it. It's the risk that they're willing to take. And if they really want to put a show on for the fans, then let them do it. But you know what I think should happen? I think they should let people in. But I think it should and and you might think I'm crazy, but it should be will, it should be people that are willing to pay top dollar to get themselves quarantined, stuff like that, take extra precaution and it be a private event that we can see, but there will be people there. It was kind of like when Mayweather when he fought Tenshin Nasakawa for Risen. And it wasn't supposed to be in a ring. Like, to the public. It was actually supposed to be in a private room full of investors who were paying to see Mayweather fight tension in a closed event. And I feel like the UFC can do that. Because if you think about it, all the celebrities that want to see the fights, if all they have to do is just pass a screening, let them do it. Get some fans in there. Make it at least a little bit exciting. But that that's my only spiel on it. 
I don't really know because I'm not an expert when it comes to like matchmaking or promotion. The only thing I know is that I want to see these fights, but if it's just not going to happen, then just cancel the event. Yeah, and then this is what Brett is saying. I guess he was on a live with Khabib earlier, and Khabib said, this was 43 minutes ago, MMA on point put it up. Khabib says, right now, if they give me location, 100% I'm going to fight. So that's the thing. Like We don't know what's going on. This situation, just like the coronavirus, is very fluid. <laughs> and we're kind of rolling with the punches. So we're going to put a stamp on that for right now. I really enjoyed catching up with you. Maybe, you know, all the newer fans that we've gained getting a look into our lives and what we think about and uh, move on from just like trying to get people to move on from what's going on in the world and giving people a different perspective of us as human beings and not just podcasters. Listen, man, it's been great. It's always good to kind of go off script, even though we don't have scripts. Yeah, we uh, the the notes today was John Jones and the UFC saga, uh, 248 saga. There's some, I mean, there's other stuff, but nothing too crazy that we can, you know, hold off for another week. I really enjoyed this. My name is Josh Prepbegin, and you can find me on all forms of social media, at Elroy Preps in one word, Andre. Everyone, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under the name Flow State Dre. And you can also find me on Facebook as my regular name, Andre Rodriguez. Also, stay safe, stay distant, and Jesus loves you. Yeah, 100%. You can find the show on Instagram at YBE MMA Podcast. You can also find our merch. We have hoodies. I'm wearing one right now. It is very nice. Andre has a shirt on the way. Um, Jen has a hoodie. Summer has a hoodie. My brother has t-shirts. Angie, Damaris, everybody, thank you so much for copping our merch. Everybody who's received it, I'm still waiting for some pictures. Um, we are very thankful. Very, very grateful. Um, I'm actually going to put up the designs on other shirts as well. I'm going to, like, extend the designs. I'm going to get some input from Andre on some other designs so we can just have more variety for you guys. Um, Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. I hope that this gave you, you know, this helped free your mind for a little bit. Uh, That has been your boy Elroy. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. Uh, Enjoy WrestleMania this weekend, and we'll see you next week.